0: We're going to be talking about a couple of things uh, this morning as we continue um, our series called Refinance. Uh, Somebody asked, you know, why do you do a a series on money and possessions in November? It's actually very simple. Uh, One, Jesus talked a lot about it, right? Right? Over 2,000 verses in the Bible that address money and possessions. So Jesus discussed money more than any other topic while he was on the earth. So I'm in pretty good company today. Uh, Number two, personal money management reveals our hearts. It reveals what's in the depths of our hearts. The way we manage our money is a symptom of our spiritual health. And so um, it's a, a way to, to do a heart check. You remember what I shared with you last week. 40% of Americans have less than $400 saved. 33% have zero saved for retirement. Another 23% have between one and $10,000 saved for retirement. So we all spend too much and save too little. Uh, one other reason before we jump into our message today that we need to do a series on money management is simply this. You and I make money decisions every single day of our lives. And so we need to know what the Word of God has to say to us about how we handle our money and our possessions. So we've talked about how we view money and possessions. Last week, uh, we shared a biblical theology of work and how we view what we do and how it honors the Lord Jesus Christ. And today, uh, I want to begin the first of a two-part message entitled, Manage the Life that God has Given You. How to manage the life that God has given you. This will probably be the most practical Sermon that I've taught all year, um, and and so um, I'm just asking the Lord to bless it. By the way, um, in the Welcome Center table, as well as on the table here uh, in the Welcome Center, um, there's a form that is a just a simple budget form. On the back is something we're going to talk about today, and that's debt snowball: how you can retire your debt um, uh, quickly. And so, those forms are available for you. Please grab one, uh, take it with you as you leave this morning. Now, I want you to think, as we talk about managing the life that God has given you, of this personal question. Do you control your finances? Or do your finances control you? Did you know that Seventy-eight percent of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Sixty-eight percent of Americans struggle to cover a $1,000 emergency. Evangelical Christians give less than three percent of their income. Twelve percent of born-again Christians actually tithe to their local church. Money is the number one issue that most married couples argue about. So this is a topic that is important to all of us. It's something for us to chew on, to think about, and to evaluate where we are in terms of managing the life that God has given us. So join me in prayer, please. Gracious Father, thank you for reminding us that there is a name that is greater than any other name. That there is a king who is worthy of our worship and our praise. There is a savior who is Was worthy of our devotion. Father, may Jesus Christ reign on the throne of our hearts. Even as we discuss money and possessions, may Jesus Christ reign as Lord over all that you have given to us to oversee. And I pray, Heavenly Father, out of such a, just a very practical message, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you will use it to speak to all of our hearts about the way we manage our lives. So may your word guide us today and may your spirit teach us and may your glory be our chief concern. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now the text that was read for us earlier today, Proverbs chapter 22, Solomon is giving us a simple piece of wisdom. Solomon says, the rich rules over the poor, the borrower is the slave of the lender. Now the word that I want us to think about is the word slave. When I think of a slave, I think of someone who had to work hard for the gain of somebody else. If a person is, for example, paying 18% on their credit card without um, paying it off at the end of each month, then in essence, we're working hard for the gain of visa. Uh, Also, when I think of the word slave, I think of a person who is not free. And dear ones, anyone who is bogged down by debt is certainly not free. Anyone who is bogged down by debt is forced to make payments on their debt and is not free to allocate that money to savings or kingdom work or other things. And so the answer for us is to better manage our lives. Now, as we think about today in managing the life that God has given you, by way of introduction, there are some key management principles. And let me just walk through these this morning. Principle number one, God owns everything and we own nothing. In 1996, when uh, my youngest son was born, that year for Christmas, uh, I received an incredible, incredible gift because if you think back, if you're a basketball fan, if you're a sports fan, you know that in 1996, 1997, and 1998, Kentucky played the very last basketball game ever of those, of those years. In other words, we were won the national championship in 96, we won the national championship in 98, we won, uh, and we came in runner-up in 97 and should have won 97. Uh, So it should have been at least three years. But in two of those years, I got to celebrate a national champion. Well, not long after my youngest son was born, a church member gave me a gift. A blue and white basketball autographed by none other than the coach of the Kentucky Wildcats at the time, Rick Pitino. When I got this gift... I would sit and stare at it for hours. I, I would look at this basketball. I, I don't mind telling you, uh, there was a period of time where my preaching really suffered. It was because I kept this ball in my office. I didn't take it home because then my kids would play with it. Right, so I kept it in my office. I kept it up on a shelf. I would look at this basketball, and sometimes I would take my fingers and just run over the edge. And I would think, man, Rick Pitino signed this. And then some things happened. He left in 97 to coach the Boston Celtics. And it was a disaster for him. And then he came back to coaching in college basketball to Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, now, I can't even give this basketball away. (laughs) Isn't it interesting how we value our stuff? The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 1, Or Psalm 24 and verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Do you and I need to remember today that God's fingerprints are on every single thing that exists. God owns everything. Everything. And we own nothing. Management principle number two. God has designed us as the overseers of that which belongs to Him. God has designed us as the overseers of that which belongs to Him. The word steward, right? We talk about the word stewardship or the word steward. A steward is an overseer, right? That's what the word literally means. So a steward does not own. A steward oversees what is owned by another, A steward simply uses what has been entrusted to him or her in a manner that honors the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 8 verse 6, You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. God has designed us as the overseers of that which belongs to him. Number three, management principle number three, when we act responsibly, God provides for our every need. I mean, nothing delights the heart of a master so much as a steward who acts responsibly. Faithfulness to the master's best interest is the single most important requirement of a steward. That's what Paul told the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 4.2. It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. right? And God promises that those who are faithful in their stewardship will have their needs met. What did Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then what? All these things will be added unto you. When we act responsibly, God provides for our every need. And then management principle number four, we will give an account for our stewardship. Right? We've talked about this many times the Bible says in 2nd Corinthians five ten, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he has done whether good or bad we cannot miss the fact that as believers we will give an account for how we have used what has been entrusted to our care can I ask you today dear ones how are you overseeing God's gifts to you. So we need to manage the life that God has given us. And what I want to do for the remaining part of our time today is really answer the question. Right, Rick Warren, uh, he, he, he says over and over and over, he calls it YBH. YBH, yes, but how? So we all know that God owns everything and we own nothing. We all know that we are stewards, we are overseers of that which belongs to Him. We all know that when we are good overseers, God meets our needs. We know that we're going to stand before God and give an account for how we manage the life that God has given us. Yes, but how? And that's what I want to answer today. Now first of all, let me give you the The clearest answer to that, and then we're going to break it down practically. How can I manage the life that God has given me? Dear ones, you cannot manage the life that God has given you outside of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You simply cannot do it. Jesus said in John chapter 15 and verse 11, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Now, we have to ask the question, what was the joy that Jesus had? The joy of Jesus was his absolute surrender to the Father's will for his life. Right, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 12, right, who for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, despising its shame. He's doing what the Father sent him to do. Like David in Psalm 40, I delight to do your will, O my God. So Jesus prayed that our joy might be the same as his. So have you allowed Jesus to introduce His joy to you? We will often say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Well, beloved, that comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That comes when we turn from all known sin and place our lives in the lordship of another. The lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ who took on our sin in order to give us his righteousness. And having been placed in a tomb, three days later, he burst forth from the ground. And he is the reason why we declare Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ is coming again. And so you cannot manage the life as give, that God has given you outside of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You must start there. An absolute surrender to Him. So as followers of Christ, right? how do we best manage the life that God has given us? Well, first, I would encourage you, and Dave Ramsey would encourage you, to develop a zero-based budget. Zero-based budgeting is a way of budgeting where your income minus your expenses equals zero the point is that you give every single dollar that comes into your household a function so what comes in versus what goes out equals zero So, for example, if you earn $3,000 a month, you want everything you spend, everything you save, and everything you give to add up to $3,000 a month. That way, you know exactly where every dollar is going, right? Have you ever sat down at the end of the month and looked at the balance in your checkbook and said, where did it all go? Right? I used to, before I married a CPA, you know, um, my flawed understanding was how can I be overdrawn? I still have checks left in my checkbook. Right? Beloved, you're setting yourself up for heartache if you do not know where every single dollar is going. It's no fun to look up one day and find out you have no money and also that you have no clue where it all went. So, how do you make a zero-based budget? Uh, I'm just going to give you the simple rundown. Number one, write out your monthly income. You take this form right here. You can pick it up on the table in the front. And right at the very top, there's a line that you know, talks about your monthly income. Right? Write out your monthly income. It all goes there at the top. And then number two, you write down all your monthly expenses. Write down every expense. Rent, food, cable, phones, everything in between. Make sure that you've got your four walls covered. Food, shelter, basic clothing, and might I add basic transportation. So your needs may change from month to month, and so you want to focus your budget month to month. Write down your monthly expenses. And while you're doing that, write down your seasonal expenses. Isn't it interesting that Christmas comes, I believe it's every single year in December, right? Every single year on December 25th. Um, We know it's coming. It's got to be in your budget. Uh, Don't act like certain things snuck up on you. Things like holidays and birthdays and anniversaries. And might I even add vacations. I've listened over the years to many, many couples talk about, you know, indebtedness. Even due to things like vacations where they went out to the beach and they ate a bunch of shrimp. And six months later, they're still paying for the shrimp. You know, no, dear ones, plan for it plan for it these things should not surprise you and they should not surprise your budget and then what you do you subtract income from expenses and it equals zero and by the way if you get all the way to the bottom and it shows a hundred bucks you can say oh boy I got an extra hundred dollars to spend no that's a hundred dollars that you haven't given a name for so you got to go back and put it where it belongs my advice to you would be uh, to save it save it Or, um, you know, get tickets for Rupp Arena basketball. Um, uh, But here's the deal, beloved. Every dollar must have a name. Assign a dollar to something. And then once you do that, just throughout the month, track every dollar, then go. Track every dollar as you go throughout the month. So, develop a zero-based budget. Number two, drive toward debt retirement. Drive toward debt retirement. Every little kid loves a snowman. How many of you guys remember last year, the big snow we got the first weekend in December? Was it like 9 or 10 inches, one Friday? I remember it because that was the weekend I did an outdoor wedding. An outdoor wedding right over here in what used to be uh, that covered patio or uh, pavilion out behind the alumni house. Right? So here we got nine inches of snow on the ground, and I'm conducting a wedding rehearsal. Um, and uh, then the next day, you know, I mean, it was like 10 degrees. I mean, it was freezing. And if you remember that pavilion, it had a big fireplace, you know. Well, for the wedding, to keep everybody warm, they had that fireplace stoked up. And so here I am, backed right up to the fireplace, Right, and here's this couple standing in front of me, and my front side is ice and my backside is on fire. Right, and so throughout the wedding, here's what I'm doing I creep up just a little bit, and then I creep up just a little bit. Soon the groom thought I was going to be kissing the bride. I was so close to them. Right, I mean, it was just brutal. Uh, one of the reasons why we always remember these snow days is because of all the snowmen that we see in the yards. You know, the little kids and the big kids get out and make a snowman. Well, I want you to think about debt retirement in terms of debt snowball right? When you're making a snowman, you go to a corner of the yard, you make a little snowball, right? Uh, Or if you're like Buddy the Elf, you make a thousand in like six seconds, right? But you make this snowball and then you lay it down on the ground and you start rolling it in the snow, right? And all of a sudden it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, think about retiring your debt that way. Here's how you do it according to Dave Ramsey. Step one, list all your debts from smallest to largest. And by the way, this is what this sheet is for. This is a debt snowball sheet. This is a way that you can do it right now today. You can do it. List all your debts from smallest to largest. And then step two, make minimum payments on all your debts except for the smallest. And then step three, pay as much as possible on the smallest. And then when that is paid off, you go to the next one, and you repeat until the debt is paid in full. For example, uh, Dave Ramsey, uh, in his Financial Peace University, um, gives this example. Let's say your four debts are these. Number one, you have a $500 medical bill. Number two, you have a $2,500 credit card debt. So the medical bill your your basic monthly payment is $50. The credit card debt your basic monthly payment is $63. You have a $7,000 car loan and your car payment is $135 and then let's say you graduated from college just a, a year earlier you have $10,000 of student loan debt and your monthly payment is $96. So using that snowball it works like this. You make those monthly payments on all of those and then you take the very first one that you have and you put the every single extra penny you can on that medical bill. Maybe you do a yard sale, right? And through that yard sale, you're blessed and you earn $500. And what that means is in a month, that yard sale is uh, paid off your medical bill. Then you take the money that you were paying on the medical bill and you move it to the credit card, right? So now you're not only making your, your monthly payment on the credit card, but all the additional money that you had on that medical bill, now you've moved it to the credit card. And in four to six months, that credit card is paid off. Now you're taking the money from the medical bill and the credit card and you're rolling it into your car payment, right? So once you do that, in a little less than 12 months, that car payment is paid paid off then you're taking all of that money from those three bills and rolling it into your student loan and Dave Ramsey says if you will faithfully follow debt snowball in less than two years you can retire twenty thousand dollars of debt that's how you do it that's how it works why does it work Because debt snowball is not about doing the math. Debt snowball is about behavior modification. It's about us wanting as soon as possible to retire our debts. Friends, these debts can be out of your life forever and then look what you can do look how you can bless the Lord look how you can bless kingdom work Dave Ramsey says over and over the problem with your money is not your math it's the person in the mirror right it's the person in the mirror you know it's always interesting I'm sure you're just like me Julie and I you know, um, you know, we're, we're going out to eat. Let's say we're going to Baja, and then we're like, my goodness, you can't even find a place to park. Look at all these people. Does nobody eat at home anymore? Right? And we're saying that while we're not eating at home anymore. At some point, we have to get serious about the way we manage the life that God has given us. And we need to start by developing a budget and living on that budget. Zero-based budget where we know where every single dollar is going. Then we take steps to retire our debt as soon as we can. And once we do that, then, beloved, it's imperative that we delight ourselves in the Lord. And I, I skipped right over that, didn't I? Well... I'll leave that there delight yourself in the Lord in the fall of 2005 Oprah Winfrey appeared on the late show with Stephen Colbert Colbert and one of the things that they did that night is that they exchanged get this Bible verses and um, Gary see if you can get me back one if you can Um, they exchanged Bible verses. And Oprah Winfrey shared with Stephen Colbert her favorite Bible verse. It's Psalm 37 and verse 4. And this is what it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. And then she said, When I think about that word, Lord, I think about compassion, forgiveness, love, kindness. And she said, you delight yourself in those virtues. You focus on being a force for good, and good things will come. So it begs the question, is that what Psalm 37, 4 is really all about? Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. I don't know about your heart, dear one, but I can tell you that there are lots of desires in our hearts that are often unwise. There are lots of desires in our hearts that often are impure. So this is not a promise that if you delight in good things, God is going to grant you all of the desires of your heart. David is saying, when he says, the Lord. He is saying, delight yourself in Yahweh. Delight yourself in the God of Israel. Delight yourself in the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who came to save His people from their sins. That's the God that's being acknowledged in Psalm 37. That's the God that's being delighted in. You see, Oprah Winfrey does not connect this verse with Jesus at all. Only as it relates to compassion, forgiveness, love, and kindness. Well, we know the New Testament teaches us, the Bible teaches us, We are called to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And no one can truly love God until Jesus, the Redeemer, changes his life, her life. When we enjoy God, and not just his gifts, but God himself. Isn't it true that that's when the desires of our heart are changed? That's when the desires of our heart shift, are well defined, are in perfect alignment with our delight in Him. When God gives us our delight desires, He never contradicts His own value in our lives. Now you've heard me say this many, many times over the last twelve years. Someone is reigning on the throne of your heart today. someone and it is either the lord jesus christ or it's you you say well how do i know which is which well take a look at the way you're managing your life because that's a really good indicator of who's in control do you have a plan that you are working out Do you have a plan that you are working toward in order to reveal the greatness of God in your life? In order for you to be able to do more for the kingdom? In order for you to be able to make Him what He wants you to be? So here is the bottom line for us today. Money management is a spiritual issue. You may say, well, Pastor, he's, you know... Man, he's not really talking about Scripture today. Oh, yes, I am. <laughs> Money management is a spiritual issue, dear ones, and your finances reflects your heart. So where is your heart today? Are you the steward that God has called you to be? If not, why not make today, why not make the week by which we say thank you the most And begin making the Lord Jesus Christ the King who reigns over.